Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, CM Punk and Seth Leibowitz. And now, here's your host, Rob Haspani. What a crazy week in heavy metal and what a wild weekend of pro wrestling we have ahead of us. It's Rob. Welcome to another very special edition of Squared Circle Pit. This is your first time listening to Squared Circle Pit. Please go back, listen to the archives. You can listen on iTunes. You can listen on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, all over. We've had a ton of incredible guests, wrestlers talking metal, metalheads talking wrestling. Some past guests include Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Frankie Kazarian, Bubba Ray Dudley, Eric Bischoff, and on the metal side, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Maynard from Tool, Scott Kelly of Neurosis, tons of awesome guests talking heavy metal, talking pro wrestling, only on Squared Circle Pit. I am so pumped for today's episode. I have two guests. My first guest was kind enough to spare some time during his radio tour to talk to Squared Circle Pit. I'm talking about legendary pro wrestler and MMAer, ultimate fighter, I guess is the term, CM Punk. He's going to be talking about some of the music he's been listening to while training for his big fight this weekend against Mr. Jackson at the UFC 225. And uh, he's also going to be talking about the similarities between punk DIY stuff and how he started out in pro wrestling. And it was a short interview because, again, like I said, he was doing a radio tour talking to hundreds of people. So I only had about 10 minutes, but I tried to make it work and got some fun chat out of CM Punk. Hopefully uh, we'll have some time in the future to do a longer form episode or, or some other cool stuff related to music. My second guest is a name you might not be familiar with. Seth Leibowitz is a friend of mine. He runs Trooper Beer's social media here in the United States, and he is a diehard wrestling fan, as am I. And the reason I wanted to have him on is because he worked at Turner Entertainment uh, right at the tail end of WCW, so he has some interesting stories on the business side of WCW. It would have been interesting to have him and Eric Bischoff on at the same time when I had Eric on a few weeks ago. But nonetheless, it was a fun conversation. Let's kick things off with CM Punk talking about stuff then we'll get to seth and then after that i'm going to talk about this weekend's new japan dominion and why you should be watching it but kicking it off right now here's my chat with c m punk now entering the squared circle pit a man i i I love to have on the show ever since starting c m punk now uh the the podcast we have here it's on a metal side metal injection it typically we typically talk about the intersection of metal and pro wrestling metal or hardcore punk. And I mean, I feel like you kind of fit into that. You obviously have a big fight this weekend. And I want to know, what have you been listening to while training for this fight? Uh, everything. Um, gosh, there's all the, there's the usual suspects, you know, there's the stuff I, I grew up on, the, the punk rock stuff, the metal, you know, uh, I, it, it really kind of depends on what time of day it is and what mood I'm in and like what kind of training I'm going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when you know, would you uh, put on the metal? Rant, rant, ranted Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, Madball, Cro-Mags, Bad Brains, Living Color, Against Me, Bouncing Souls, 
um, uh, less than Jake. Uh, do you have a go? Jewels, do you have uh, a go-to hate breed record or song? For me, it's Perseverance. Anytime I'm working out, it's like just hearing oh, Jamie Josta uh, screaming I mean, in my ear. <laughs> if I'm going to go to a, a go-to hate breed song, it's mm-hmm. probably Call for Blood. Uh, Proven and then destroy everything is a fun one. Yeah, that's a great one too. <laughs> uh, so that's awesome. So I wanted to know, like, what came first for you? Your love of music, or or you know, getting into like wrestling and and eventually grappling, of course. But what what hit you first? Oh, pr- I mean, probably wrestling, but music was always there as well. You know, um, I had a. I had a cool aunt who was closer to my age than she was my mom's age. So, you know, she was kind of like a, a grown up figure in my life at that time that I, I really looked up to. And I just thought she was the coolest. So whatever she listened to, I was like, wow, this is super cool. And because of her is the first time I ever heard clash the Ramones, but also, you know, Duran Duran Spando ballet. Like there was just a ton of stuff oh, awesome. at that time think coming out of England, especially, you know, like probably mm-hmm. like Cox bar, like all the stuff that was happening. Um, I, I, I got into through her. I got, and then, and, and how did you get into wrestling? How did that bug hit you? Just seeing it on TV, you know, mm-hmm. um, just the, the, the wacky goofiness of it all. And, and, it, and it just looking, looking just so wild and like, you know, the presentation, they always, they always nailed that presentation down really well, didn't they? Especially in the eighties, you know, when you were a kid, you know, and it was, and it was something other kids talked about in, in school. So we're like, I'm a little kid and other kids are talking at lunch hour, like, Whoa, this, this Hogan ultimate warrior match guys. I don't know (laughs) who do you think is going to win. And I was just like, Oh man, I thought I was the only freak who liked this stuff, you know? And then, you know, fast forward, you know, the next year and they've all moved on and they like football now. And I'm, I'm still like, bro, <laughs> this, this Randy Savage ultimate warrior stuff, guys, what do you think? And they're just like, whatever nerd. And I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> you, uh, same thing happened to me. My family got me into, into wrestling, just like it was, a, everybody would get together and watch Saturday night's main event. And we watched like the Hogan Andre thing. And then like, all of my family disavowed wrestling and I just became obsessive about it. And I was like, guys, come on, we got to go rent the new tape. And they're like, oh, no, we're, we're done with it. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's silly. But also I thought it was cool that like you started putting on your own wrestling shows. And I think there's a connection there with the, the whole DIY aspect of like running a punk show. Uh, and I feel like you're somebody that kind of took that punk ethos and applied it to wrestling. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. No, hundred no, percent. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that like, oh, like what is it I feel about like specifically like hard rock metal, like it just works with wrestling, especially like in the nineties and, and even with UFC as well. Like there's a lot of metal uh, on there. What is it? I guess they're both aggressive forms of uh, entertainment probably, right? That kind of answered my question there. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, that's the that's the common thread, you know, um, and the, the entrance music more times than not um, for a lot of the guys and girls is, you know, it's a loud, bombastic kind of music, you know, mm-hmm. the guitar. I, and I think that sets that sets the tone for everything. So there's there's similarities for sure. 
Right on. And, uh, you know, obviously you've had a crazy week. You've been training at this weird trial. How Was it weird going on the record, you know, under oath, finally admitting what the CM and CM Punk stands for? Did, did you have to like, was that the worst part of the trial for you? No, no, it, it was not. Why, uh, having to watch myself get concussions over and over again was, uh, was the worst part of the trial. Fair uh, point. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking at that time. You know, literally, that was just my lawyer asking me questions and me answering. So I see. She asked, I answered. I hear you. I hear you. Well, it's it's great to hear that finally on the record after. I feel like that was the one thing on, on social media. People are like, oh, my God, I can't believe he admitted this, you know, which I'm sure was a completely <laughs> different perspective than while you were there and like dealing like having to relive this very traumatic moment in your life. Yeah. Uh, one other quick rumor I wanted to just ask you about is there was a rumor that during the all in press conference, that you were there at the Pro Wrestling Tees store picking up merch or whatever. Is there any chance we might see you in the crowd for all that? Would you be, would you be there just, just to check it out? No, I, 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 got, I got some crippling anxiety um, when I'm in, in crowds now. And it's, it's amplified. Like, my wife has it really bad. So it gets pretty amplified if she's with me. So... Unless it's like a Stanley Cup final um, or the occasional Cubs game, I don't. I don't think you're going to find me purposely uh, surrounding myself in a sea of people. Uh, that's a fair point because I, you know, you, you guys seem like relatively like introverted people. You like to keep to yourselves, and yet you have all of this popularity, and 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 I'm sure people are punishing you, and you're just like, I just want to, I just want to chill out. Did you? Does that make it? hard to like want to go to shows do you still go to punk shows at all or same problem uh yeah kind of same problem um more oftentimes than not i will get off the couch if a friend's in town and, I, and i'll go see them mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's, I, it's just like i just feel I feel like, you know, it's like the pit is for the young kids, you know what I mean? And I'm like the old soccer dad on the outside of the pit, just looking at everybody like, huh? All right. You know, looking at my watch like, oh, I should be in bed right now. I I totally understand it. And uh, just to wrap up, I'm curious, do you even have time now to like go and discover new music or like how does music reach CM Punk? I will listen to recommendations from my other friends who are in touring bands. I think that's the best line, uh, the best channel I have to get in touch with new music. And that's how, that's how I found turnstile, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, a buddy, Chad, Chad Gilbert from newfound glory was like, yo, you got to listen to these guys. And this is years ago, you know, and he, he turned me on to them and then, you know, there's various other times other 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 people will be like, yo, you got to listen to these guys. So that that's the main that's the main way for me. That's cool. That's a that's a great buffer you have there. <laughs> you know that whoever's recommending it to you, they, they have pretty, uh, pretty good taste. Oh, yeah, I trust them. <laughs> Any other bands that you've been checking out lately? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but uh, anything anything you've been jamming lately on the heavier side? nothing nothing new you know i i I tend to go back to the 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 tried and true usual suspect golden oldies you know what i mean i go through these these phases where like i'll you know i've been putting my entire ipod on shuffle lately and Mm -hmm. then like i'll hear an old 
like uh, Walk Among Us era, not not Walk Among Us. Um, that's that's the Misfits. Um, uh, gosh, what's the? And I'll, I'll hear an old Anthrax song, and I'll be like, oh, Among yeah, the Living, Anthrax. Among the Living. That's what I was going for. Thank yeah, you. No problem. And then you know, <laughs> you know, the next thing you know, I'm just I'm I'm I put the entire Anthrax catalog on shuffle. You know. Um, yeah, so you kind of the old Metallica. You kind of you've entered that phase where you know what bands you like, and now you want to really like sink your teeth into these bands and like get into the deep stuff. Yeah, and you know, and I I I I've gone through phases like I, I know like when when Dave Mustaine came out with his book, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to revisit like the entire Megadeth catalog, like wow like real time, like while he's talking about these things, I'm going to be listening to these songs and these albums. Mm-hmm. So I'll do stuff like that all the time. Which one would you say is your favorite Megadeth record? Do you have a pick there? Uh, God, Peace Cells. That, okay. And that's off the, that's off the hip. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. I know you have a, a crazy media day today. Uh, hopefully sometime in the future, we could really talk some music and, and get down to it when you're not, you're not as so preoccupied sure we will in the future. <laughs> with your life. And I'm not even going to wish you luck. I know you're not that kind of guy. You're going to have your, your, your crap together. And, uh, and I hope you have a great time in your hometown this weekend at UFC 225. I will do my best. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Have a great one. I'm sure you heard the nervous tone in my voice when interviewing Punk. And really, that was just because we had a... a a hard end limit, and I was trying to get in as much as possible before that. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk to Punk again in the very near future. But right now, let's switch gears. Talk to Seth Leibowitz once again. Seth, big wrestling fan, Trooper Beer, used to work at Turner. Let's get it on. Now entering the squared circle pit, good friend, someone I'm very excited to have on, Seth Leibowitz. Seth, thank you for entering this realm. Thank you. This is this is an, an honor. To, uh, to be part of this uh, incredible podcast. Uh, first time, long time. I could actually say that. <laughs> uh, and Seth, you have one of the greatest gigs in the world. You're the U.S. <laughs> rep for Trooper Beer, Iron Maiden's Beer, which is awesome. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a cool gig, um, you know, running, uh, running social media forum here in the U.S. and letting everyone know about the ins and outs of, uh, Iron Maiden's beer. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's cool. I love it. Uh, and you had a crazy story, and and you are much like I am, and many many of us, a lifelong wrestling fan, lifelong metalhead. I'm assuming which came first for you? Um, I, I mean, it had to be. It, it was wrestling. I don't know. I think they actually went hand in hand. Um, you know, I, I elementary school, I got into you know wrestling a, a billion years ago, and in the heyday, and. You know, that kind of, you know, slowly opened the doors to the world of metal. And, and you know, there was that, that one guy in school who would wear wrestling shirts. And I'm like, wow, that guy's cool. I want to hang out with him. And then one day he came in wearing like a Slayer shirt. And I go, oh, that guy's scary. I want to hang out with him even more. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it, kind, of, it kind of goes hand in hand. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, in the, in the world, uh, you know, the world's kind of go together you know if you were to draw a venn diagram i think wrestling and metal would kind of fall right in the middle so 
Absolutely. That Venn diagram is the basis of this mm -hmm. year podcast. <laughs> That's why it's such an honor to be here. I That's mean, awesome. I belong here. Well, the great, my favorite fact about you, and there's many facts about you that I enjoy, <laughs> uh, is that you used to work at Turner Entertainment, Turner Media. What, what's the second word there? Turner Sports? Uh, so it was it was t um, Turner Entertainment, so mm -hmm. uh, TNT, Turner Network Television, and TBS, Turner Broadcasting Systems, kind of fell under the Turner Entertainment umbrella, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. And you worked there right, uh, right around the peak, at the peak and the end <laughs> of WCW. When did you when did you come in? So I, right after college, uh, it was actually my first job after school. Um, I got a job as, um, as an assistant in, um, in the entertainment division, which was TBS and TNT. And at the time, WCW was part of Turner. So being a wrestling fan, I made it my business to align myself with the um, – you know, account executives and sales guys who were involved with WCW. And I ended up working really closely with a lot of the sales team um, at Turner. Um, That's awesome. So you were kind of working on, <coughs> excuse me, the marketing and like where the money is coming from for these. Yeah, I mean, pretty much I was I was on the sales side. So we mm -hmm. were selling, um, I was involved with, um, selling ad time to advertisers for um, Nitro and Thunder. Everyone remember Thunder? Come of course. On. How could you forget Thunder? Yeah. So yeah, well, we were we were involved in um, in selling ad time for those properties, and eventually, you know, mind you, this was 1997, where you know the internet actually wasn't the internet as we know today right, it was much slower connections but wcw they did have an internet presence i remember i remember they had yeah a website yeah and that, and that was a big you know that was a big push with a lot of the advertisers like hey you guys can buy uh, some ad time on the show and we'll put um this thing called a banner up on the wcw page where when you click on it hold your horses it'll take you to your website mind-blowing Mm -hmm. At the time, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember the domain was wcwwrestling.com and it was so it was World Championship Wrestling Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, which which made no, because I think actually wcw.com was taken already, mm -hmm. and I don't remember what that domain was, but I th and I think and I, I you know don't don't hold me to it, but I think. Um, it was actually we reached out to the domain holder and mm -hmm. realized, okay, this isn't happening. We're just gonna, you know, WCW wrestling, keep it, <laughs> keep uh, it. I can sympathize with that. I've told this story on the Metal Injection Livecast many times. Metalinjection.com is like there is a just a squatter on there, and they <laughs> every time, uh, anytime I reach out to them, the the price gets more and more. The last time. It was like $125,000 that they wanted. Uh, it was like, I, I'm sorry. I, I, guilty as charged. I mean, I've made the mistake in referring to 
metalinjection.com and people are like wait this isn't the right i'm like ah oh, sorry dot net dot net it's sorry too it's that. too expensive to get the dot com we just can't do it but so how did you so you landed this internship and what, what was the specific was it just a general internship and you just latch onto the sales folks or was it a sales internship so it was actually um i started off as a my role was called a floater mm. okay which kind of um I was hired, you know, full time, salary, benefits, the whole the whole deal. I was hired as a floater, and I kind of bounced around between different divisions. You know, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CNN was under the umbrella. Headline news. Um, you know, kind of bounced around, but you know, I really wanted to get in with, you know, WCW and, and entertainment. And eventually, I was high. I was brought on as a sales assistant for uh, TBS and TNT, which WCW kind of fell under. So, right. Yeah, so my, I mean, my job at first, it was kind of putting together proposals for advertisers. Um, you know, hey, you can, you know, put, put a proposal together, you can buy 37 hours of Law & Order on TNT. <laughs> and, 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 you'll get a, and you'll get one commercial spot in Nitro and Thunder. What do you say? You know, and it was it was cool. And then eventually, um, you know, I got to do and I got to get involved in, you know, more of the creative side of um, promotions and marketing. And it, it was it was really cool being, you know, being a huge wrestling fan and kind of, you know, seeing what went on behind the scenes, so to speak. Well, yeah, I'd love to t- you know get into that. So uh, what you know, obviously you were a wrestling fan. I'm guessing most of the, the suits were not wrestling fans. They were just <laughs> business guys. So what was what was like the perception of what wrestling was to the suits of Turner? You know, I think and look, you know, WCW was a Turner property, you know, and, and it was started um, you know, God, I mean the beginning, if you want to go back to like the late eighties where um, you know, Ted Turner, he kind of brought um, world Championship Wrestling. I think it was from like the Jim Crockett promotion. Yep, that's right. Um, you know, he brought it in, and um, because I think you know the Jim Crockett promotions, they were really they were they running were, out of money, and but yeah. it was doing great ratings on TBS already. So he's like, I'll just I'll just buy it. Yeah, and 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 it, before WCW is WCW. I, I believe it was called like Universal Wrestling Corporation or something. Completely. Uh, I think it's a federation. UW. It's a federation. Yeah, yeah close. Um, but yeah, and then they renamed it, and um, you know. But I think you know, at the time when I started in in the late seven in the late seventies, geez, <laughs> <laughs> not that long in the in the late nineties, um, you know, it was kind of you know forming its own entity. And, um, you know, Eric Bischoff was already involved and, Mm -hmm. you know, the NWO was already in place and it was really becoming like, like, wow, this is, this is a real thing. And, you know, I think from a business standpoint, they were kind of looking at it as this is some serious competition to the WWF. Mm -hmm. So they were into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean... You know, we would, uh, you know, we would have, we would bring clients, you know, at any time, um, you know, any time, a, a sh- you know, a, even a house show or if like uh, Nitro or Thunder would come around, you know, we bring clients to it. And, you know, and it was fun. And I think, you know, I, I think 
the suits, if you want to call them that, you know, they they got it. Um, they didn't get it as much as I did, of course, but right. you know, they they got it, and they, you know, it was definitely a a, a business entity that you know was a ratings gobbler, and you know, it brought in a lot of money for the company because the ratings alone. You know, ratings brings money, and it was a huge, a huge boost, I think, for the company during the peak. Uh, and so do you remember what your, like you were telling me before the show, the first day on the job? <laughs> so the very first day, okay, it was September 22nd, 1997, and it was the debut of Goldberg, like that night. And he he beat Hugh Morris, like Hugh Morris. That was his first opponent, and that was his very first. That was his debut, and you it was like my and Goldberg debuted on Turner Properties at the exact two same time. two two Jewish powerhouses <laughs> debuting on the Turner Properties on the same day. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was cool, and and you know I was like, this is really. This is really something awesome to kind of be a part of. And, you know, mind you, I was like the bottom of the totem pole, probably the dirt under the totem pole. Um, but you were just like, it was cool to be around that stuff. Yeah, it was cool to be around that stuff. So and, what uh, were some of the uh, the things that you were uh, in? Like, what were some of those marketing campaigns that you worked on? Like, were you, do, did you, were you involved with Spring Break, like they would do at Club La Vila or whatever that was? <laughs> Yeah, we, I mean, it was a lot of, um, you know, I, 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 I were, it was, it was more of kind of putting packages together for the advertisers. And, um, you know, at the time, um, it was really thinking about how to take sort of the property of WCW and making it bigger and making it better. And, um, you know, I think in, it was in 2000, um, was it 2000? I'm trying to, yeah, it was 2000 when that movie ready to rumble came out. Oh, the classic, the classic David Arquette. I um, genuinely enjoyed that movie. I will say all kidding I, aside. <laughs> I thought it was guilty I mean, pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it was fine, but, but yeah, go on. I mean, you know, David Arquette, he was also an eight legged freak. So, you know, <laughs> come on. But, um, you know, it. I think that it was really trying to kind of cross promote the brand onto the networks as well. Um, and I just the, probably the biggest thing about um, WCW was, was that particular um, concept where we had this movie ready to rumble. You know, we had all these WCW. Um, you know, talent in the film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was it was kind of that opportunity for advertisers like, hey, you can get involved in this movie and you could also get involved, you know, in WCW as well. And, you know, as we all know, in April of 2000, David Arquette became WCW champion, mm -hmm. which... <clears throat> <laughs> which, if you ask the guy who wrote it, was a, a great, great marketing idea, which he still does not regret. I mean, yeah, it was it was a it was a, a home run at the time. But, uh, 
you know, it was. I, so I let me ask was, you this: Was this something that you guys were notified of? Like, hey, since we're doing this cross promo, we're going to make him the champion, or did everyone in the office find out when it happened at the taping? Because I remember it, it was on the Thunder, but it was taped after Nitro, right? It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in all honesty, um, like we didn't we didn't really get any word of anything until we actually saw it on TV. I see. Um, you know, and and like looking <laughs> looking back on it, you know, and, and of course, you know, there's a whole like you know, storylines that need to be sort of, you know, kept close to the vest and, you know, but kind of looking back may have been beneficial for the sales force to know about it. I don't know. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but (laughs) you know, it was, it it was a definitely, um, an interesting twist, I guess you could say. But, um, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of it was really, um, it was a, a lot of it was business. You know, it was it was really about, you know, pushing and promoting and trying really hard to kind of cross promote this idea to tie it in with the movie, which, you know, was going to be airing on TBS and TNT after it debuted. So it was a whole kind of business idea, which, interestingly enough, transcended to the wrestling ring. And so, like, we, we mentioned Vince Russo coming up with this. Did you or the office have any interactions with Vince Russo? So we, we actually did. And, and uh, another fun story to share. Um, we, the sales team, was told that Vince Russo was going to be coming to our office. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, so is he going to ask us for, like, storylines because I got a great storyline with Jeff Jarrett and he da 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 and you know like and like no no he, he's just coming to talk you know business and I was like okay all right um, but Vince Russo was going to be bringing Goldberg with him oh your Jewish friend yes yes the, <laughs> the, the, the my tag team partner you know of the of, of whatever we're called but um, so I did everything that I possibly could to be the greeter of Vince Russo and Bill Goldberg. So they like, fine, you know, stop bothering us. Fine. Just, you know, go downstairs. They're going to be here at this time. So I go down to the lobby um, of our building, which at the time was not in the Turner. The, the Turner building wasn't even, you know, Time Warner Center wasn't built yet. Um, I go downstairs. I'm in the lobby. And Vince Russo and Bill Goldberg walk into the lobby. And there I am, you know, just like a, you know, 20-something-year-old, like, hey, guys, how you doing? I'm Seth. <laughs> Welcome to Turner. Um, and it was weird. It was really weird. Um, you know, we went upstairs, and they sat down, and it was, to my recollection, it was like a business meeting. You know, we were talking, talking to Vince Russo about, like, impressions and audience and reach and CPMs and all of, you know, this, this advertising jargon, which uh, frankly, I I think he had no idea what any of it meant. Um, but I think it was, I think the whole idea was that he was on board and he wanted to kind of figure out how to keep, you know, the, the train rolling, I guess. 
Um, I gotcha. And, and then, like, was Goldberg was Goldberg doing anything, or he was uh, he was just sitting there, and and um, you know, my, myself and and one of my one of my colleagues, um, this guy Josh, we were just like we were like you know giggling like oh my god i can't believe we're sitting in a business meeting and goldberg is right there like this is the coolest thing in the world but uh, but no i mean he, he just sat there um he was cool like he he signed you know he signed a couple of uh you know eight by tens for us and uh you know it was i mean it was it was interesting um but i think it was you know really trying to align the business end with um you know, with the product and really, um, you know, at that point in time, you know, when I, I think it was at that point where the war between, you know, WWF and WCW was like at its peak right there. Uh, so I think they were really trying to push. push well, I think at that as, point, by the time Russo got there, they were losing bad. I think that's why they brought him in. Yeah, well, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was actually um, he was he and Bischoff, they were rehired. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of like reboot, uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, they were rehired to kind of reboot the whole company at the time. Um, and I remember they like stripped like all the titles, right? Yeah, they re- like, they did a literal reset of the stories. It was kind of weird. Yeah, and and I, yeah, they stripped every one of their titles, and I think they did. Uh, t- again, memory is hazy, um, but I, they did like a whole bunch of tournaments. To kind of declare the new champions, I think, and um, you know, I think at that time it was kind of it was a move which I don't think resonated very well with the fans, and I think, yeah, and I think it was actually at that time where a lot of people were kind of, you know, moving over to Raw at that point. So yeah, that was sort of, you know, like I arrived at like the peak in the late nineties, and mm-hmm. and. I guess I'm to blame. I mean, am I? It well, what I like, what as the ratings were going down, I imagine that affects the advertising. Like, and you, I'm assuming you guarantee a certain amount of viewers, and then every week they're losing <laughs> hundreds of thousands of viewers. Yeah. Like, yeah, as I the mean, as the advertising side of it, how did you guys deal with it? Like, what was the vibe? It, it was it was rough because you know in at its peak. You know, a 30-second spot on Nitro and a 30-second spot on Thunder, you know, it was it was it was a good amount of coin. And yeah, like ratings start to go down, you know, audience numbers start to go down. Advertisers are kind of saying, eh, I, I really we're not really gonna pay that much, you know, for a 30-second spot where you know the guaranteed ratings we're not meeting our numbers. So, you know, and I think it was. Um, I think it was sort of at that point where, you know, the the company was sort of like, what what are we going to do? Like, and it was I was at that point where, um, I mean, Vince Russo became I think champion at one point, right? Yeah, he won the title. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, he was defended by saying he didn't beat it. He won it via a fluke because it was like a cage match when he was speared by your tag team partner Goldberg through the cage. <laughs> Because he was the first one to hit the floor, that's yeah. how he won. And and then he ended up vacating the championship because he realized right. like this is a bad idea. Um, but you know, it was at that point where um, you know I think it was sort of 
you know, where, where, where the, the war was sort of on the decline and, you know, it, numbers were decreasing, numbers were going down, um, you know, and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, in, it was an interesting from a, from a business standpoint, because, um, you know, when you had such a product and such a, uh, you know, a show that was like a, a, a ratings monster. I mean, that was at the time. I mean, wrestling was the biggest show on the networks. I mean, it was the biggest ratings, you know, it was the biggest ratings show on, on our networks. And, right. um, you know, once that started to kind of dissipate and go away, it was like, ugh, now what? <laughs> you know? Is it true that? Wrestling would get much lower rates, even though they had the higher ratings than than a, a a lower rated show. But that was just you know a drama or whatever. I mean, I think I think it depended on you know I think it really depended on the advertiser, and you know it depended on you know sort of the whole proposal that the advertiser had in place. Um, you know, I mean, every look, every company has sort of set rates on their shows um, and they kind of, you know, look at that and then they kind of, you know, tweak it here and there based upon um, who they're, you know, who the advertisers are. But, um, you know, I think as the show started to lose viewership, you know, and as everyone was kind of jumping ship over to, uh, you know, to um, WWE. F, it was kind of like, geez, I'm sorry, W. It was actually WWE at the time, um, you know. But it, and it was tough, and, you know. And also, um, what was a big, um, a, a, a big moment in Time Warner was um, when uh, AOL actually merged with Time Warner in 2001. Um, AOL bought Time Warner, and a lot of people were hoping that that would help you know, being the huge, you know, online property and, you know, the search engine at the time, they were hoping that that would kind of give a boost to everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think what the, I think it sort of ended, what was it? 2001, I think in March, um, that last episode of Nitro where, um, oh, I'm trying to think what it was. I think it was like sting and flare, and I think Shane McMahon came on and he said, like, he purchased the – it was a whole, like – I don't know. It was a whole um, just interesting end to the whole um, the whole era. But, you know, I, I will say, like, working – you know, working at the company, it was, it was just kind of really, really neat because growing up being a fan my whole life and then telling people, like, hey, you know, where do you work? Oh, me? Yeah, I work, uh, work for WCW. No way, really. You know, it's, it was just kind of, it was just really cool to kind of see, um, you know, wrestling from the business side and to kind of see that end, you know, of the business, which, you know, a majority of the fans have no idea about. And, you know, kind of seeing the inner workings of it made it, um, made it really interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a, a cool to hear about. So would you say you were surprised when uh, WCW was sold, or you kind of saw I mean, the writing on the wall with what, how everything was going on the business side? I mean, you know, from the business side, it, 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 the, the writing was sort of on the wall. Um, you know, there was there was a couple of like last, uh, you know, last uh, attempts to kind of keep it going. 
Um, you know, and look, it was it was un- it was unfortunate, but you know, you know, business is business, and you know, unfortunately, that's that's the way things went. And um, you know, I, I think uh, you know, it, it was it was what was great was that the talent though um, in WCW. Um, you know, for me personally, like there were so many wrestlers from that whole era that, um, you know, just really kind of, you know, stick with me. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, like, 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 like Billy Kidman, I, Mm -hmm. all right, was probably one of my all time favorites. Agreed. I think he was very underrated. He really, uh, could have used a a good push. He was one, one of the top wrestlers there, I feel. Yeah. And, you know, it was just the talent that, um, you know, that was under the, you know, uh, Nitro and Thunder umbrella. It was just, it was really cool um, just to kind of, you know, be, just to be a part of that and, you know, to see them kind of, you know, night after night and be like, this is like a really great product. And, you know, at the time, I'll be the first one to say, I didn't watch WWE at all. I was like, I was really? drinking the Kool- I was I was drinking the Kool-Aid 110%. I didn't even watch WWE during that entire time I worked um, at Turner. Um, Even when WCW went out of business? Well, it's interesting because when they went out of business, um, I actually stopped. I actually I stepped away from the squared circle for for a number of years. Mm. I didn't I didn't I just didn't watch wrestling at all for a number of years. And, um, you know, I would say probably seven, eight. uh, So I, I, I career, I did a career change like eight or nine years ago that I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get back in the squared circle, so to speak. So I, I got back into it and, you know, I was, you and I went to, uh, went to that house show a couple months ago and it was like, it was like riding a bicycle. Yeah, that was, yeah, we went to that house show and we, we got lucky and we got to do the, uh, VIP thing. And meet Nakamura, Sami Zayn, and uh, Nikki Bella, and it was it was quite an experience. What was that like going back to experience it in person? You know, it was, <clears throat> and again, growing you know, growing up, I went to live matches and working you know at Turner. I went to a bunch of live matches, but it was the first time, and I would say maybe fifteen years that I actually went to a you know, a, a wrestling match. And it was, it was just great. I mean, you know, the thing about it is it's, it's entertaining just to kind of see it evolve, um, to sort of where it's at today. Um, as opposed to, you know, was it 20 years ago? Um, it's still, it's still the same thing. You know, the Mm -hmm. storylines are still the same and, you, know, you have your uh, you have your faces, you have your heels, and it's the same story. But you know, it, it was great to kind of see how it evolved, and you know, it was like looking around when we went to that show, just seeing all the kids there and how like how they were loving it, and they were wearing their John Cena gear, and it was like, gosh, like this is still. It's just great to see it kind of still resonating and you know still going strong and and still connecting with like the right audience. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it was it was I think the coolest thing for me is seeing watching wrestling with like young kids and seeing how they <laughs> get excited for it. <laughs> and yeah, uh, they get so invested in it. I mean, there was there was this one kid, in, I think, in front of us who was 
I remember who he was, he was yelling at. He was like, you can't do that. Like, come on, ref, like open your, it was just great to kind of see, you know, these kids get so into it. And it's like, wow, that was me like 30 something years ago. <laughs> yeah. There was no cynicism. It was just, they were enjoying it for the purity. Yeah. So, so I, I want to ask you a question. I mean, you know, I, I kind of brought us back into the late nineties. So you know, you've been, you've been following Synth forever and, mm-hmm. and you haven't stepped away from the proverbial squared circle. But how how do you see wrestling evolved in the last 20 years and kind oh. of seeing it, kind of seeing the whole process leading up to where it is today? Well, I think it's it's pretty surreal where it is today. Like if I told my 12 year old self like, hey, there's going to be. Essentially, like my dream as a kid was for an all wrestling channel. <laughs> and to think now that there's not just one wrestling channel, there's like multiple ones uh, is is mind blowing to me. And like, that's the coolest thing about it. And uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's really helped independent wrestling. It's gotten me much more into New, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which before would only be like, a friend of mine had like a really low res, uh, like <laughs> a low res, not even like a low res MPEG that we need to download a special video player to watch of like Japanese wrestling. And now it's like super high quality. Like I, I'm all about it and I, I'm discovering more wrestling than ever. I was, uh, I, I, I grew up a WWE, WWF fan, but when I had more access to WCW, I think I feel like I became more of a WCW fan and I always seeked out alternatives uh, for like I loved watching all wrestling, not just WWF. I loved any any shitty wrestling on at three in the morning. I'll watch it. And like ECW was my all time favorite at the time. But it's crazy. Now I have to say now that it's on the network and I put on all these old ECW shows where I'm like, this is the best wrestling ever. I definitely see the smoke and mirrors a bit more as an adult mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, this maybe wasn't as great as I remember it, but it's still pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. F- funny story. Uh, I'll share one, uh, another story about ECW, um, which was my favorite as well. Um, I mean, it, it, would, it would be on, what, 11 o'clock at night, I think, on Saturday night um, when it first started, I think. But what was, what was hilarious was um, during, um, during the 90s, um, I actually, when I, before I started working at Turner, um, I actually sent a letter to Paul Heyman at his home what? address. Yeah, yeah. I sent a letter asking if I could work for ECW. Anything that he wanted me to do, I would work for him. He never wrote me back. So if he's listening, you know, you missed out on this second. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I was, t- I, I love, like, I loved ECW. I was so into it. Um, my dream was to see a match at the ECW arena, um, which I never got to, unfortunately. But, you know, when I, I was like, I wanted to get into entertainment after college. And I'm like, you know what would be cool? I'm, gonna, I'm working for ECW. I don't even know what they do. And I actually wrote him a handwritten letter, which I don't think exists anymore. 
but I sent him a handwritten letter saying I would love to work for ECW. And he never wrote me back. But uh, I I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you. I believe I mentioned this on the podcast, but I designed Rob Van Dam's first website. Get really get yeah. out of here. <laughs> it was just like because uh, I had like a wrestling website when I was a kid. Uh, and so, yeah, I could show you like old screenshots. Oh man! Uh, yeah, it would have been awesome to work for. I, I, I similarly after that, I was like, oh, maybe I can do graphics for ECW because they had like the most <laughs> low rent graphics, and I was like, oh, I can do better than this. And uh, yeah, ECW would have been a dream job. Again, looking back though, not so much because of all the problems with, <laughs> with yeah, uh, payments and everything. Yeah, yeah, but you know, just 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 to be a, a part of that, and and what I loved about it, it was sort of I, I likened I I I, I'm, I can compare ECW to sort of heavy metal, and I'll bring us yeah. I'll bring it I'll bring us full circle, um, you know, metal is like that niche kind of music where the fans and the people who love it are very very close knit everyone loves each other everyone embraces each other and if you're not into metal you're kind of like eh not really my thing and i kind of feel that's kind of what ecw was because they were sort of the redheaded stepchild of wrestling where they had that hardcore fans the hardcore audience and then, you know, everyone else who liked wrestling, like the WCW and WWE, they're kind of like, eh, you know, no, not, not really for me. But I kind of, I kind of like to compare them to, to heavy metal in that a very niche group of fans who, you know, are just so invested in it. And they're the ones that really drive the product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, uh, I think also it's because they innovative all these different <laughs> things that you don't necessarily see in the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, you know, and there's and there's so many and I also feel there's so many untold stories about ECW. Like, for example, the fact that there has not been a a book written about Sabu yet. Yeah, like he's my mind. He's one of the lost. Like I feel so like he should be a millionaire with the amount of talent he has. But uh, sadly, sadly yeah. he's like one of those cult. He exactly like he innovated so much hardcore wrestling. He innovated so many high spots, and like he never got the glory. It's kind of like all these metal bands that kind of innovate, and they're like kind of left behind as the bigger bands that are influenced by them. They're the ones that blow up and. And get huge. So it's it's totally there. He's like the at the gates to all the metalcore bands <laughs> that like Killswitch engages and all that that like cashed in on that sound. Yeah, I love that comparison. Yeah, I mean, you know, by far one of my favorite matches ever. And I'm talking of the thousands and thousands of matches. His barbed wire match against Terry. Funk oh my god, that was insane. Was by, <laughs> was by far the I mean, if, if someone were to ask me, okay, what was the best match you've ever seen? Hands down, the Terry Funk Sabu barbed wire, um, barbed wire match, hands down, because that was by far. Oh, that was the craziest thing. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, and 
you know, the fact that he ripped his bicep open and then duct taped it. And can, I mean, come on, like you, that's just insane. But yeah, my favorite is the Sabu Rob Van Dam versus Hakushi and Hayabusa from like like Heat Wave '98 or '97. Oh wow, that was yeah, that was a crazy one too. Yeah. So who's top three favorite wrestlers of all time? Go. Um. Well, Sabu has to be up there. Raven, Steve Austin. Just off the top of my head, those are my top three. Uh, I, I Sabu is my number one all time, mm-hmm. all time, hands down. Um, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan. Mm, yeah, I was a huge fan Ultimate too. Warrior yeah, fan. because for me, he was like he was like heavy metal. Yeah, he, I agree, totally. You know, especially like at the he time. was. Oh yeah, um, and and I gotta say, you know, Ric Flair. I mean, oh, oh my God! Yeah, I have to include Ric Flair. I'm sorry. That's who do I bump though? I, it's hard. It's hard. It's yeah. it's a hard one, um, but yeah, ECW was just um, yeah. It was just such a such an an awesome like concept, and um, you know, I did I did get to go to um, you know their um, you know one one of the final like ECW matches or or the, um, the what, what was it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, gosh, it would have been like awesome just. You know, looking back, like if I could rewind time and go back, like to go to some of those matches at ECW Arena, that would have been insane. It would have been absolutely Agreed. insane. Yeah, it would have uh, been cool. I, I did go to the last two pay-per-views because I, I had those comps from my good friend Rob Van Dam, who I unfortunately <laughs> never met at the time, but he did provide me some tickets, which was very nice. Oh, uh, but you did you did design his website, so at least you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So it was all right. That's that's how you get into wrestling shows, kids. Just offer. I mean, I guess now it wouldn't even be a website. Like offer to run someone's so, wrestler's social media presence or do their marketing or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, kids run, today, run their know. run their Instagram page. Yeah, exactly. You know the, the the unofficial official Rob Van Dam Instagram page. Get on it, kids. That's how you get in there. And with that advice, Seth, I want to thank you for taking some time. You and CM Punk. I don't know who's gonna who's the bigger guest this episode, but I'm, uh, I'm leaning towards you. Uh, I, I I gotta go with I gotta go with Phil. <laughs> you guys are on a first name basis now, Seth. Thank you so yeah. much. Anything you'd like to you'd like to plug here at the very end? Um, I I it was just it was it was really an honor to be on this um on this podcast um. You know, it's it's just it's great to it's just great to talk wrestling with um, with fellow wrestling fans who also have an extreme love of metal as well. And you know, I think it all look. I think it all ties in that if you find a wrestling fan, nine times out of ten, they'll be into metal. So yeah. here, 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 here. But thanks so much. This was awesome. All hail Sabu. Imagine if he was still healthy and wrestling. I can't imagine him. Well, I mean, he is still wrestling on the Indies, but a bit of a shadow of his former self. Anyway, let's talk. I promise I talk about New Japan Dominion. I have been looking forward to this show for about two months now, or a month now, whenever they announce the main event. The main event of this show is Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada in a two out of three falls, no time limit match for the IWGP World WA Championship. If you watched any of their three matches last year, you know it's going to be an incredible, incredible performance. 
And if you've been looking to get into New Japan, go to New Japan World and check. This is the show to get you into the card. The card is insane. So with that match, Okada versus Omega. I'm hoping Omega wins. I feel it's Omega's time. It's the only way to continue the story. Okada is basically out of challengers in New Japan. And Omega is, while Canadian, you know, they're trying to do this whole North American expansion. And it would help if their top guy was uh, from North America. Uh, I just think it's it's Omega's time in the story. Omega should have been champion. Omega deserves a run with the championship is basically what I'm getting at. And Okada has had a great run. And it would be kind of cool to see him switch it up and be more of a heel now if he were to lose the title. I'm rooting for Omega, basically. Then right under that, we got Jericho, Chris Jericho versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental title. And I feel like Naito's going to win this one. I can't really imagine Jericho winning. If he were to win, I feel like he'd have to be defending the title. He doesn't have the time for that. He's he's there for the one-offs. It would be cool if he won. That would be crazy. And then he comes to the U.S. show in San Francisco, which is their next big show uh, later in the month. But I don't see him wrestling in the U.S. for New Japan just because I think that would kind of get WWE upset and he's walking this fine line with them. So I just I just see Naito winning, winning that one at least. There's a really cool six-man tag with Rey Mysterio, uh, Tanahashi, and Jushin Thunder Liger against Cody Rhodes, Marty Skrull, and Adam Page. I kind of feel the legends are going to win here. Although I feel also, ultimately, there's going to be some sort of storyline between Mysterio and Skrull that'll set up their match that'll happen in San Francisco. I think that's going to happen. And uh, the match I think that can steal the show is going to be Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi for the IWG Junior Light Heavyweight title. Now, I don't know if you've been watching the Battle of the Super Juniors, but... It's like 205 Live, but great, you know? <laughs> and uh, they, those two guys absolutely killed it in the Super Juniors. The finals of the Super Juniors with Takahashi and Ishimori. Tanahashi and Ishimori. What, Takahashi and Ishimori, geez, excuse me. Was incredible. And I ha- seek out that match. Go, it, there's English commentary on it. It's going to be one of the best junior heavyweight matches you'll ever see. Sonata and Evil versus the Young Bucks. I love the Young Bucks. I wish them very much success. But I feel like Sonata and Evil are going to keep the titles here. Although, at the same time, I can see them giving it to the Bucks. Sonata and Evil have had the titles for a while. They haven't really been doing much with the defenses. So, I could see the title switch. But I'm, I'm rooting for Sonata and Evil to keep it. Goto versus Taichi versus Michael Elgin. As long as Taichi doesn't win. I don't really care about that one. Yano and Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. I just want Ishii and Minoru Suzuki to beat the hell out of each other. And I think that's kind of what they're leading to. I feel like this is going to set up a singles match between the two of them. Maybe at uh, the San Francisco show. Uh, Dave Finley and Juice Robinson versus Yoshihashi and Jay White. Whatever. (laughs) And uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight titles are on the line. Desperado and... Kanemaru against Rapungi 3K. Kind of feel like Rapungi are going to win it back. They had the the great showing at the Battle of the Super Juniors, and it would be a fun way to kick off the show. The show happens tonight, sometime in the morning, like three in the morning or five in the morning. I don't know. I'm going to wake up tomorrow 
do my errands, avoid social media, and spend the whole day watching it. I'm really excited. Hopefully you'll watch it too. Thank you for listening to Squared Circle Pit. I am, as always, on social media, at Rob Injection. You can follow Squared Circle Pit on Twitter. Squared Circle Pit without the E in circle is the Twitter handle. And then, uh, of course, Facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit. Working on some big guests for this summer. So keep tuned in, and I'll see you on the other side.